Well, good morning, Redemption Peoria. Good morning. That was a good, good morning. Um, Hey, first thing, I just want to tell you all, um, there have been multiple people teaching throughout the past few months, and virtually to a person that's taught, uh, when I've spoken to them afterwards, they've said something to this extent. That is a great, great church, Redemption Peoria. A great church. And I'll just tell you this, it's great from when you walk in, uh, there's incredibly clear communication. There's welcoming people. All of you that are out there welcoming people on behalf of myself and all of Redemption, thank you so much. There's people faithfully serving in children's ministries. There's people just greeting in a very sincere, not a weird plastic smile way, just good to see you uh, kind of environment. There's incredible leaders crafting the services for you on Sundays. Um, there's people faithfully doing everything from announcements to set up and all of that. And so that just sincere service in a very normal spirit of just, hey, I'm a person doing this normal stuff is what equates to a great church. High dependence upon God. We're going to talk about the day. Say high dependence upon God, seeking his power, but serving in very normal, faithful ways makes a great church. So two years later, uh, this has become an incredible church. And I'll just say you, to you on behalf of Redemption Church, our hopes for this congregation are substantial. According to God's metrics, not what everybody else says, but according to God's metrics, God's done great things, is doing great things, and we believe uh, there's even better things that are yet to come uh, in the midst of you all. And so on, from me, I'm just saying to you all, thank you. Thanks for your service and for what you're doing, and you're a part of something really great. And so that's good things. We are in, <clears throat> amen. That was like four people clapping. Nobody else is excited to be a part of Redemption Peoria? So we are in uh, the book of Acts. Today, there's like 70 verses that we're going through in the book of Acts. So Stan, we're going to read all 70 verses. I'm actually not going to do that. I was actually thinking, I was actually thinking of that. No joke, is reading the whole entire thing. And Miles is actually um, wondering right now, because I had the scripture readers push to the sides, because I said, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the front section and the back section, tell you a little bit about the middle. But we are going to stand for that reading And as you stand, I want you to know something about Redemption Peoria. This means all of you stand. Go ahead. I want you uh, to know something about Redemption Peoria and Redemption Church at large. Uh, We are a church that fundamentally does and will always put ourselves under the authority of the Bible. Uh, We do not believe that there's any human beings, male or female, that there's no human institution or organization that you can put on parallel or above the scriptures. So we stand at a moment to show reverence and awe to God because he comes to us, as many said, clothed in the scriptures. But even as we stand, we know we're under the authority and the power of the word of God. So Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders in signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenes and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Sicily and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. 
And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. In gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to pray. Father, um, as we have just stated and displayed in our physical bodies, um, God, we will come before you showing awe and reverence to your word because you come to us in your word. I pray that you would remind every one of us that we never study the word of God, but to know the God of the word. God, we want to know you. God, I don't know everybody that sits in this room, and I know some people here are deep in faith. Uh, Others are struggling in their faith, and some would admit that they may have no faith at all. But God, all of us are here right now uh, asking that if you're real, you display yourself to those who question. That for those of us struggling and wrestling and wondering all kinds of different whys, that God, you would be our sure and secure foundation. God, for those of us who think we're deep in faith, take us even deeper. Let us know you even more. For God, since we, all of us in this room who believe, are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship you acceptably with reverence and awe. And God, I say to you right now, asking for the Holy Spirit, that I and we who believe have been crucified with Christ, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. God, display your love, your self-giving love to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, today uh, we are looking at the life of this man named Stephen. The most of what we know about Stephen in the Bible comes from Acts chapter 6. We're in a study in the book of Acts. Um, in which we have seen this exceptional church is what we are calling it. But when we say exceptional church, we don't mean that this church is the exception. The church that you're reading about in the book of Acts is the only church at the time. It's the church that's setting out and showing for us the model of what it means to be the people of God, faithfully and in failure. That's what I love about the first five chapters of the book of Acts, even into chapter six that we looked last week, is this is a faithful church to the level God is giving them power to be faithful. But it's also a failing church. It's a church that sins and slips up and people lie to the Holy Spirit because they're lying to other people about how spiritual they really are and how generous they really are. And God takes those things very, very seriously. One of the things I love about the Bible I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't around the Bible a lot. And the more I've gotten to know the Bible, here's what I love about the Bible. It is so realistic. It is so realistic. I think oftentimes we bring to it this hero syndrome 
these people are so amazing. They're such heroes of the faith. And we let the big moments speak to us, but we read over these failing moments. We read over the struggle. And the thing I love about the Bible is God is taking very ordinary, normal people, most of whom the world didn't even notice. And in fact, God says that. He chooses the foolish things of the of the world, the world, the, the people the world doesn't even notice. And he begins to do extraordinary things through normal people because of their faith, not in themselves, because not, they don't believe in themselves, but they believe in an extraordinary God. And an extraordinary God does extraordinary things. And the only way extraordinary things come through the hands of very normal, ordinary people is through faith, Independence upon God through his Holy Spirit. That's what's happening in the life of Stephen. So I want to ask you a question before we look at the life of Stephen. And you don't even have to answer this question because it may be too much to expose in a crowd. But how many of you are bored? Just in the end of the day, you'd say, in my life, I'm bored. It's not that exciting. It's not that dynamic. I want more, maybe another way to say it. How many of you want more? So you could say it like this. How many of you are bored with your faith? I'm getting more into your neighborhood here. How many of you at the end of the day, and some of you, maybe specifically I want to talk to those of you who've been in the faith longer, and you kind of go, I've been in this a long time. I was raised in it. And yeah, my faith kind of does feel boring a lot. It feels monotonous and mundane. How many of you think church is boring? Yeah, I like this church, and I started coming here, but I came here because I was bored with church. And now I've been here two years, and I'm kind of getting bored again. Well, here's what I want to submit to you. God is telling us the story of Stephen through the hands of Luke. He takes a big portion, a lot of ink on a pen, if you will, a lot of pages to tell this story of this one man and this one scene I would tell you, not first and foremost, to say, you too can be an individual like Stephen. But even before that, we are called to be this type of community, a Stephen-type community, that his life, his faith, his fullness of the Holy Spirit is meant to be in the life of the church as a whole, therefore, in the lives of you and I who say we believe this stuff. And the life of Stephen is Far, far, far from boring. The book of Acts is written to show you what the church is, who we're supposed to be. For you to understand this is bigger than any part of my individual spiritual life. But your individual spiritual life is essential for us to become this kind of people. So if you're sitting in this room and you call Redemption Peoria home, And we begin to look at the life of Stephen and say, this is the type of community God wants us to be. We will never be that type of community unless you personally, you personally pursue Jesus the way Stephen was pursuing Jesus. Unless we collectively depend in a way that Stephen depended. So that's what we're going to look at today is this idea of for us to be this kind of church, this exceptional church, not just back then, but today, because we don't want to be the people that go, oh, wasn't that early church amazing? 
Let's read about them and get some chills and go, wouldn't we like to be that kind of people now and see those kinds of things? We're not just going to wish for it. We're going to say, God, do it. You wrote this because you want us to be like this. And here's one of the things I've got to say up front, even before I teach. We're not that good. I'm being really honest. I'm not that great of a preacher. And even the best preachers in redemption aren't that good. And honestly, I don't want to be known as being the church. Man, they're so good. They've got the most charismatic, crafty communicators. They have the most unbelievable musicians who are worship leaders. I don't want that to be said. I want people to say, God's in that place. Those people seriously love God. Those people honest to God depend upon God. They're just normal, everyday folks who want to do the stuff who surrender themselves to God. I don't want to be a church that looks backwards and goes, oh, the good old days. I want to go, God, do it now. Do it amongst us. Let us experience this now. That's our aspiration. As we look at the life of Stephen, here's what we'll see. We're learning from Stephen. We're seeking to follow Stephen. We're trying to be that community. We've got to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be a church full of faith because it's formed by the Bible. Full of faith because it's formed by the Bible. A church of courageous power and a church of astounding grace. So let's get at it. A church full of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts verse 5, Acts 6 verse 5, Acts 6 verse 10, and Acts 7 verse 55. Here's what I want to show you about Stephen. Acts 6 5 from last week says they selected a man named Stephen who was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. The language is he was full of faith and he was full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 6 verse 10 says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which Stephen was speaking. Acts 7.55 says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. There's this um, statement in verse 15, and it says, they're starting to get really angry with Stephen. And it says, in gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, let's just be honest. When we hear something like, we want to be a church full of the Holy Spirit, and Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit, and he had a face like an angel. Many of us in this room would not say that's totally compelling. We'd go, honestly, I've been around people like that, and they're weird. And not just weird, they're kind of psychotic, and I don't really want to hang out with them. They're interesting to be around on a spiritual level, but you don't really want to watch the Super Bowl with them. You don't really want to just go hang out with them. Well, I would tell you that that shows one of the things that's been massively misunderstood about the Holy Spirit is that with the Holy Spirit, you become weird. Now, if by weird, we mean there's a power around you, there's a dependence upon you, there's a sincerity of faith in you, then yes, maybe weird. But not weird in the sense of like you're screaming and yelling, not weird in the sense that you can't hang out with normal human beings. That's not who Stephen was. Stephen's an ordinary dude going about his business but living a life full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, so much so that when there's vulnerable in the congregation who are not being cared for, people go, we need to choose men of character 
men who are full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and they select Stephen. We don't know exactly what he did for a living. He was one of these Alexandrian Jews, these Greek Jews, these Hellenistic Jews, that their widows weren't being cared for. So they selected seven Greeks to care for them and to lead the way in the church in caring for the vulnerable and the oppressed. So he's a normal guy doing normal service-oriented tasks for hurting people. But he is this man that you'll begin to see wasn't just behind the scenes serving the vulnerable, but now gets put on public display, and he's a man of deep, deep faith. The last year of mine um, has brought me into encountering people like this more than I ever have before. And these are not the people that you walk in a room and go, do you know who that is? Do you know who that, that is that guy who has this many podcast followers? That's the woman who speaks to thousands. They're not those kinds of people. Or that's, that's them. Like, and you're trying to get closer and then you're getting your phone. You're like, can I kind of get a selfie with them in the room? You know, that's, they're the big wigs. They're not those people. They're ordinary folks. But sincerely, when it says he had the face of that of an angel, okay, I'm pretty sure this wasn't the angel that like shoots arrows into hearts, like this bubbly baby face. That, not that kind of angel. That's not, they're trying to articulate something about Stephen, this ordinary man, but that had such compelling nature to him such profound power to him. I don't think his face turned into an alien face. I don't think it was this weird, like, glow stick glowing, you know, that house music's going to turn on behind him, kind of a not that. I just, I think in the end, there was something about this person. The other night, I'm with this kind of group of people that I told you, and I had some invited some friends with me uh, to an event, and one of the guys after he left said there were some big hitters in that room, people that if you're a Christian, you kind of know about, but they weren't the most compelling people in the room, that there was something around this other group who were they weren't a, an organized group with a name, just these kinds of people that when you get with them, you know they've been with Jesus. There's a statement about the apostles in the book of Acts just before uh, where we are now that talks about that. They, they were ordinary men, but they knew they'd been with Jesus that there's something about those who are full of the Holy Spirit that you can look at their very face. You watch something about them, and here's what you know at the end of the day. They're doing something to encounter God in ways that I may not right now be encountering. But here's the thing. They're not weird. They're compelling. These are the kinds of people that I'm going, what in the world? One of these um, is a 72-year-old woman who's from Argentina, a woman I now know, from Argentina, who had her husband die very early in her life. She became a single mom, raised her kids, and made a living being a Mary Kay agent. It's not the thing most folks are going, that's desperately what I want to have happen. My husband die, be a single mom, be ostracized in the community, have to travel and be away from my kids, being a Mary Kay saleswoman. She's now 72 years old, has a global ministry, and every person I've ever met that's been around her goes, there's something about her. There's something about her that you're just going, I want to be around her more, but you laugh when you're with her. You cry when you're with her. She's, you'd want to watch a football game, whether it be American or Argentinian football, two different sports, but you'd want to hang out with them. 
wither at any level in casual times and in prayer times, right? Watching TV and in worship. It's just like, get me around her because there's something about her. And let me tell you something, even if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, this is the kind of woman that I'm telling you you'd want to be around because you'd go, whatever it is, even good vibes. You'd be calling it good, like there's good vibes around her. There's good energy around her. Whatever it is, there's life around her. I want to be around that. And here's what I'd submit to you. It isn't her that you want to be around. It's God. That's what's happening in the life of Stephen. And what I want you to see is what's true about him is that he was full of the Holy Spirit, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, a man that was full of wisdom and of the Spirit, verse 10, a man who was full of wisdom in the Spirit, and then later on, a man who was full of the Spirit. If he is a man that's meant to picture who we're to be as a church, we want to be a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say this up front as we start um, talking about this specifically, is that what is the Holy Spirit? I just want to read to you. I literally just Googled things the Holy Spirit does. And there was something that popped up that said 50 things that the Holy Spirit does. It's quite good. If you type in 50 things that the Holy Spirit does, you're going to find it. It's actually written by a guy named Frank Viola, who I like a lot. And there's a lot of things I disagree with that he says. So let me just get that out in the open. But it's just 50 listed things. Let me just read you some of them to understand what the Holy Spirit is. I'm going to say my own first. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's a person. You personally encounter the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be a church full of the Holy Spirit, we have to be a church that's willing to encounter a person, the person of the Holy Spirit that will profoundly affect your life. Here are the things that the Spirit does. The Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16. I'm not reading all 50, so I'm going to read you a selection. The Spirit guides us into all truth. John 16, 13. The Spirit regenerates us. If you don't know what that word means, if you've been around the church, you may have heard it before, but it's that we need a radical transformation from the inside out, and the Spirit is the one who does it. You may have heard the term born again before. Same kind of idea. The Spirit glorifies and testifies of Christ, John 15 and John 16. The Spirit's job is never to draw attention to himself. Ever. So if you're in an environment that's full of the Holy Spirit and they're going, Spirit, 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 you might go, not sure. The Spirit always glorifies and testifies to Christ. If you're in a place that's full of the Holy Spirit, who you're going to hear testified about, just like Stephen did, is Jesus Christ. The Spirit reveals Christ to us and in us. The Spirit leads us. The Spirit sanctifies us. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit fills us. The Spirit teaches us to pray. The Spirit brings about unity. The Spirit comforts us. That's just a selection. So let me just say the last one. No matter who you are in this room, do you feel like you need comforting at any level? It's the Spirit of God who does that. The Holy Spirit fills Stephen. I am saying, if we are going to be a church like Stephen, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it begin to look like? Well, one very easy thing would be to say from Galatians 5, it says the manifestations of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh are these things, but then it says the fruit of the Spirit. 
So think of a community that looked like this, was displaying and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That'd be a compelling place. That'd be a compelling community, amen? That's a compelling life. The only way that life can be manifested in us is if we display the fruit of the Spirit, which means we depend upon the Holy Spirit and are asking for the Holy Spirit consistently and continually. Those all sound very nice, but what you'll also see about Stephen is it also leads to strength, courage, and boldness. It isn't just, oh, we seek peace at all costs and we never rock the boat. Because if you read this passage, Stephen really rocks the boat unto the point that they kill him. But he's doing it all in love. The greatest of these is love. And love will be willing with courage and with boldness to tell the truth. Stephen's a typical person, non-flashy, Not amazing, but God is doing extraordinary things through. We at Redemption have this statement that we put in our, what we would call kind of our culture, what we want to embody as a culture. And it's a statement that actually came from the leader of the vineyard movement, John Wimber, and it's called Naturally Supernatural. And I love it because it's just saying, we don't have to be flashy. We don't have to be catchy. We don't have to be sharp and wise. Just be who we are. We're natural but we're naturally supernatural because we're depending upon and asking for the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Here's what I have to ask you before we move on. There are all kinds of things that nice people do, but they can do it from the wisdom of Oprah. They can do it from the wisdom of Dr. Phil. They can tell the truth like talk Radio, 550. They can be bold and courageous just like they do on 550 radio. That's not what we're talking about. Not that kind of boldness, not even that kind of gentleness, not kind of that kind of savvy. We're talking about a life that can only be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. The kind of life Jesus talks about when he says, we, when he says to God, you are the vine, we are the branches. If a man and woman remains in you and you in us, then and only then can we bear much fruit. But apart from you, God, we can do nothing. If redemption Peoria feels like at any point, or you as an individual feel like at any point, you can stand on your own two feet, the best that you will possibly see is human power. Human eloquence, human goodness. That's not what I want to see. Like, check me out. You want to be that kind of community? Go for it. I want to be the kind of community that can only see the extraordinary things of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, courage, boldness, divine love because we're depending upon the only true divine one, Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would do things in the strength that God supplies, like 1 Peter 4 tells us, and we have to do it in prayer. So let me say this. You've got to ask for the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be church full of the Holy Spirit, you've got to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock and believe God's promise that if you do, if you ask, you seek, and you knock, what's the promise? You will find. But you won't. We won't if we don't. Okay. Next statement. 
A church full of faith because it's formed by the Bible. A church full of faith because it's formed by the Bible. We're now starting in chapter 7 of the book of Acts, Stephen's speech. And the high priest said, are these things so? And Stephen said, brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father, Abraham. Okay, this is incredible what he goes on. Stephen here begins to spit the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Spit. For all of you that don't, he's not literally spitting. That's a phrase that people will do in rap. So Kendrick Lamar can spit. The dude can rap. If you don't know who he is and you're really, really pious and religious, don't listen to him because he will offend you. I promise you. There's some language there that you wouldn't like. But if you just like good art and you like rap, listen to Kendrick Lamar. Here, Stephen spits like Kendrick Lamar. That's a simile like Kendrick Lamar, in a sermon that is full, chocked full of the Bible. Or you could say theology. Okay, if you're one of those people that goes, you know what, theology is not that important. You're going to hate redemption. You're going to hate it. And I pray to God you forever hate it if you stay in that place. Because theology is life, folks. Theology is about God. Theology is the truth about God who upholds the real word by the word of his power. Life is theological. Don't ever say, don't ever say, eh, people overestimate theology. They do too much. I don't like theology. If you don't like theology, you don't like life. Here's what I mean. If God's upholding the universe by the word of his power, God, life's theological. And theology is all about your life. Theology, good theology, is from the Bible. What happens with Stephen, look through this. He talks about Abraham. Then he moves from Abraham and he talks about Joseph. You can kind of just scan your eyes and you'll see this. And watch him tracing the storyline of the Bible. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, the Exodus, that off of Moses, that he said there will be one, a prophet who comes That's like me, right? Who was that? Jesus. He talks about idolatry. He talks about Joshua. He talks about David. He talks about Solomon. There's an accusation against Stephen that led him to preach this sermon that said he's blaspheming against Moses, the law, the scriptures that we believe in, our temple, and he's talking about this Jesus guy. Stephen goes, if your problem with me is the Bible. Your problem with me is Moses and the law. Your problem with me is how I view the temple. Your problem with me is that I'm standing with Jesus. I'm going to spit for you a sermon that shows for you I'm right about theology and you're wrong. That's what he does. And guys and gals, let me say this. All of you in this room, young or old, this is an ordinary guy who knows the Bible. It says he's full of faith, right, is what it said in chapter 6, verse 5. Anybody in here know what the scriptures say of where faith comes from? Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. We will never be a church full of the Holy Spirit or full of faith if we aren't a church that stands under the word of God, stands on the word of God, and with people who consistently say, I need to know the word more because I want to know God more. 
hear me on this. Now you're in here and some of this may intimidate some of you. Some may go, I don't even know what theology is. It sounds scary. I know hardly anything about the Bible. There's all kinds of resources out there. There's an app called YouVersion that has thousands of Bible reading plans in it. If you don't read the Bible, it's because you don't want to read the Bible. It's never been made more easy in all the world to study the Bible than it is right now. You can look up podcasts that teach me the Bible, podcasts that teach me theology, overviews of books of the Bible. And here's what I'm saying to you. Do it. Talk to your elders. Talk to redemption community leaders. Talk to Christians who are a bit beyond you and before you. Talk to other people and go, what are you reading? What are you knowing? Ask about programs in this church like Surge. Look at getting involved in a redemption community and tell them, I want to grow. And I want to grow in the scriptures. I want to learn the word of God. The Bible says of itself that it's living and active. You want life. You want divine activity in your life and around you. You must and we must encounter the Bible at all times. The reason Stephen can act like he does in these last two points, and I'm going to go over them fast because I don't have basically any time left. The reason he does is because he has been formed by the Bible, which has given him this faith, which has given him the understanding of Christ, which has given him the power of the Holy Spirit, which leads him to be courageous. There is incredible courage, courageous power in Stephen. Look at Acts 6, 51 through 53, and tell me if this is not incredible um, power. I'm sorry, in Acts 7, 51 and 53, through 53. He finishes this incredible sermon, and then he looks at these religious leaders, and he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You received the laws that was delivered by angels, and you did not keep it. Folks, that is not very modern type language, right? That's not very postmodern in wisdom. Like, hey, can't we all just get along? Isn't it all good? I mean, you told me that the fruit of the Spirit was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That doesn't sound like that. But it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, which means you're wrong. He's manifesting all of the fruit of the Spirit and saying, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart, think you know the law of God, but don't keep it. Folks, Being full of the Holy Spirit, understanding the Bible will give you substantial courage because we love the world. There are too many of us that have bought into the views of this world, not the views of God, and we begin to view love through means that aren't the whole picture of love. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth. But you don't tell them the truth just as a jerk. The way we say it in redemption is we try to employ, this is adopted language from a guy named Rich Mal. We want to establish convicted civility. This is conviction. Let me tell you what's true. Spit a sermon that goes through all of biblical history and ends with Jesus because he knows the word. That's why he's full of faith. Because he's full of faith, he's full of courage, and he can look at these people who are supposed to be representing God and go, you think you know the law of God. 
you don't keep it. Who does that sound like? Who, who else does that? Looks at religious leaders and goes, you think you know the law, but you don't do it. Jesus, all over the place. If we are a church, Redemption Peoria, Redemption Churches at Large, that want to be like this, we can't just be a church that's just nice in the way the world defines nice. We have to be a community of truth, courage, and conviction that are willing to speak it. That are willing to say it because we love people. Not so that we can go, we're right. I don't care about that. God loves people. God loves the world. And the truth sets people free. That's why we stand on the truth. But look at the way he ends. He's courageous, but here's the last church. We have to be a church that's convicted and civil, courageous and gracious. Look at how this whole section ends. Verse 59. And as they were stoning Stephen, I have to say this. Um, Here's a quote that many people attribute to C.S. Lewis, but the experts in C.S. Lewis say he didn't say it. I don't really care if he said it or not. It's a great quote. Here's the quote. My prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices because I'm out of the fight. My prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices because I'm out of the fight. Redemption Purity, there's a fight. And hell is on the other side. And it's not a 50-50 fight. We're on the winning side, I promise you. If you're with Jesus, you're on the winning side. It's not even a close fight. But they're still trying to fight. My question is, what would hell say of us? If we went away, would hell rejoice because we're out of the fight? If we went away and died today, if you did, would hell rejoice because you're out of the fight? I promise you it did with Stephen. But look at how Stephen responds. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That's not what I'd I'd be like, destroy him, Lord. Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Which I love that language. Because even if somebody's stoning us on behalf of Christ, the best they've got is that we sleep for a while only to be resurrected. This is why Jesus says, those who believe will never die. We're a resurrected, full of life people because Jesus is resurrected and full of life. That truth, being filled with the Spirit, enables us to be both convicted, to stand and say, this is the truth, and Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. To love them in ways they've never been loved before, at infinite cost to ourselves, not just giving our lives because we're speaking the truth. Many times we're speaking the truth, but giving our lives and people go, yes, 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 and it's costly to us. It costs us our possessions. It costs us our goods. It costs us our tears. It costs us our time. But we're loving real people. Because God has really, really, really loved us. We are loving people costly because God really costly loved us. You guys up for that call? Let's be that kind of people. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. God, as we prayed from Hebrews chapter 12, um, God, I want to pray it again. Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe.
God, we know right now in what we're about to celebrate that the only acceptable means of worship comes through Jesus, whose body was given for us, whose blood was shed for us. As we partake and we sing, let us do it full of faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.